0: Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I'm your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host,
1: Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor.
0: We want to thank each and every listener who's tuned in today. We're always so glad to have you with us, and we hope you have something warm to sip on. We will be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments, but first let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our biggest challenges or frustrations that week and finishing off with a blessing or positive hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn and this week's rose?
1: So my thorn is something that is not just relevant to this week, but the last several weeks. And that has been the difficulty of a Lenten fast. (laughs) Mm. So my husband and I gave up movies, which actually ended up being a really important fast for this season. We had become a little bit too reliant upon them for evening entertainment and like to feel settled and comfortable. Um, I think that that hasn't necessarily been the case in other seasons. That's why I say, you know, I think every year... might have to have something different that is unique to what God might be calling you to fast from. And that was for us, it was movies. So mm-hmm. it feels kind of silly to admit this, but I definitely found it frustrating at times not to be able to just choose to watch a movie because I had, you know, some free time on an evening or if I, if I felt, felt tired, but, uh, my rose this week is probably more of a bud than a bloom. It is in process and yet to come in fall. So part of this rosebud has been the growth that has come from this Lenten fast. Um, Daniel and I have pressed into the difficulty and found both contentment and joy in discovering new ways or rediscovering old ways of spending our evenings together. Hmm. And even more importantly, my rosebud is anticipating the journey of Holy Week, culminating in celebration of Christ's resurrection. So Easter Sunday will be the rose in full bloom. And I look yes. forward to that with hope and anticipation.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. I feel like Holy Week definitely snuck up on me this year. Did it sneak up on you? Uh, probably not. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> no. You've been
1: you've been busy. You've been That's, moving. I've been moving. <laughs> yeah, I've been attending church every Sunday and like, you know, eagerly Just awaiting. awaiting. <laughs> lent to be over. I mean, it's funny. I, I actually, I think when I first started practicing lent and going to Ash Wednesday service a few years ago, a few, it's probably more like almost a decade, but, um, I loved lent. I just loved diving into like the, the different season. I think, I think honestly, like COVID lockdown made it seem like eternal lent. And so from that, uh, that point forward, I've need to needed to kind of rediscover the beauty Of Lent because it almost brings up this minor PTSD. Mm. Um, Yeah.
0: Mm. (laughs) I I completely understand that. Yes. When we were, I think it was mid-March. Yeah. It was mid-March and all of these things were going around saying like, you know, three years ago, this, this is what was going on. And it was kind of crazy to think that that was all three years ago, which feels so long. Yeah but also not that long. It's it's such a strange thing to kind of revisit, um, especially in the Lenten season. Mm-hmm. Um, so my thorn this week is not so much a, a specific thing that happened, but it really just has to do with moving cross country, which has just been a mix of excitement and exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, moving is always just a lot of moving parts. <laughs> and so we just, you know, we, we did our, our very best to get all of the big things on, on to arrive on the same day. And of course, some things were pushed back. And so it's, it's just kind of this, this mess of like, Oh my goodness. Okay. Where, when is that arriving? Okay. You know, and, and this got pushed back and that got pushed forward and just, just the craziness of, of trying to settle and feel at home in a new place. But as for my rose, we have started to really feel at home in this new place. <laughs> um, the place we moved into is just perfect for us. and we just feel so much more at home. We have more room, more amenities where you know the area we're in is just really peaceful and lovely. I think we both feel like we picked the exact right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just felt really taken care of by God in this time. And leaving New York was a mix of difficult, um and also a relief and you know i I love the community that we had there but it's also just a hard place to live sometimes and i was worried that we would move out here and we just wouldn't feel at home but honestly it's just felt so right and like a lot Mm -hmm. has just really fallen into place so that is my rose this week that's so good to hear yes all right, so just a couple of things before we move on to our letter for this week. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps to boost the podcast, get it in front of someone who might enjoy it, get something from it, identify with the letter we read that week and make sure to share with a friend. And lastly, we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. Okay, so let's move on to our letter for today, which covers the subject of how to hold better conversations. Dear Wallflower, I am a very shy person, and starting a conversation with strangers is so out of my comfort zone. While I may know some things about that person, it is simply easier for me to not engage with that person and simply enjoy their presence, or worse, let a friend or family talk, and I just listen. Let a friend or family talk and I just listen. I know it's a bad habit and I want to get better at overcoming it, but how? How do I get people talking? What if I offend them? What if the conversation leads to a dead end? Or in other words, how do I get myself talking? Sincerely, Nola. Jessica, what are your thoughts today for a writer? Well, I'm sure
1: all of us could use some work on our conversation skills, both question asking and listening, but it sounds like Nola's struggle is more poignant than the average person's. Mm -hmm. I want to commend her for being aware of this gap and desiring to work on it. One thing I want to start off with is that I'm not sure it's helpful to view this situation as a quote, bad habit, as if it's something harmful that she needs to kick, The reason I say this is the way that we think about perceived faults can affect how successful we may be in addressing them. I think sometimes we, you know, we think about habits as something that are really, really hard to change. So, Nola, rather than viewing this as a bad habit, I think it's completely fair to recognize that, likely for reasons of both nature and nurture, you are simply not naturally talented at conversing with others. This makes me think of the interaction between Elizabeth Bennett and Mr. Darcy regarding their first meeting when Darcy hardly danced and da- the ladies were left without partners. So when they're mm. talking about this, you know, at, at, um, Lady Catherine de Bourgh's. So Darcy, <laughs> Darcy gives the reason of being ill qualified to recommend himself to strangers. So he explains to Elizabeth, I certainly have not the talent, which some people possess of conversing easily with those I have never seen before. I cannot catch their tone of conversation or appear interested in their concerns as I often see done. We all have things that we're predisposed to be more naturally good or attra- uh, good at or attracted to and other things that you naturally uh, find more difficult. While this is certainly no excuse not to try to get better at them, it, it can be helpful to simply call things for what they are. For example, I think I've Mentioned this before in a past episode, but I'm not naturally empathetic. Um, I, I have more of a fixer mentality and I want to help move someone from hurting to flourishing as quickly and efficiently as possible. <laughs> it, it has taken work for me both to recognize this tendency in myself and to learn how to discern when to set that fix it um, MO aside. And to instead be a good listener, uh, to validate feelings, and to ask Mm -hmm. good, open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. So all of this to say, it's good that you realize this is a weakness of yours and can then take intentional steps toward growth in this area. Before I give some practical advice for starting and carrying on conversation, I want to address Nola's question about giving offense— (laughs) While this may be a legitimate fear in certain circumstances, I think that in general we have little to fear if we have a genuine curiosity and a loving heart. Although we cannot control how another person will respond to our words, our body language and disposition will speak volumes. When a person can tell that you are interested in getting to know them, it's easier to overlook some of the little slips that we might have in our words when we speak or whatever else we might fear would cause offense. So in short, I don't think Nola should be overly concerned about giving offense. If she focuses on the heart behind wanting to get to know others and foster good conversation, I think that those with whom she's talking will sense this and receive it well. So how to start a conversation, how to get people talking, how to get yourself talking. To reference Pride and Prejudice once again, Back to the same conversation between Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy, recall how Elizabeth responds. Elizabeth says of her own playing of the pianoforte, my fingers do not move over this instrument in the masterly manner which I see so many women's do, but then I have always supposed it to be my own fault, because I would not take the trouble of practicing. (laughs) What is Elizabeth's implicit advice, which, by the way, Mr. Darcy ends up taking? Practice. My advice is the same. How? Practice. So I want to give Nola a few ideas of ways that she can practice starting conversation, getting both herself and other people talking. And just quickly, before I jump in, Nola, it sounds like you're already a good listener, which is terrific. I want to affirm this in you. Far too many people may appear to be good conversationalists because they can easily talk. (laughs) but many talkers may not actually listen very well. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like your struggle, maybe getting the thoughts out of your head into spoken words.
0: Yeah. That's a really great point. I think we think of, yes, being a good conversationalist as someone who's really good at talking, but honestly, half of it is being able to listen well. And so I think it would be helpful for nola to think of herself as already halfway to her goal she's great at listening to other people
1: yeah that's so important and i think it's it's just it's easy for people to hide behind their talkativeness too and be you know ride too much on that when really they are not great listeners so no. great point
0: we've, we've all had a, a conversation with someone who is great at talking and you walk away and you go that was an awful conversation because it was, I didn't feel known. I didn't feel important to this person. It wasn't, um, it wasn't fun for me. So yeah. that, that's, that's a really great point.
1: Yeah. yeah. So she has that gift to give already. That's terrific. So on the other side, um, so Nola, sounds like you've got the listening down pretty well. Here are some tips for practicing the asking questions and the talking part. First, Be curious and form that curiosity into spoken questions. Mm. One of the surest ways to ask good questions and get people talking is to be genuinely curious about them. This doesn't mean, however, that you always need to rely on your wit in any given moment. For those of us who struggle conversing with others, it can be more taxing to always be coming up with fresh ideas and questions on the spot. Mm. Certainly, genuine curiosity can help you to form questions in the moment, but don't be afraid to consider what sorts of things you are genuinely curious about and apply these as appropriate to the variety of people with whom you speak. So, for example, maybe you enjoy reading. You can always ask people what they are reading, or, and if they don't happen really to be much of a reader, then maybe <laughs> you can ask what their favorite book was that they once read or if there's anything that they hope that they would read someday down the line. Consider what you're generally curious to know about people and use such curiosity to foster thoughts that you form into questions to ask. Second, and relatedly, ask open-ended questions. Nothing stops conversation like a simple yes or no question. It's just, yeah. you know, you say one word and then it's over. True. Um, <laughs> unless someone really, really wants to um, keep going, which sometimes they do. Just, It's better to try to ask things that don't have a simple yes or no. Um, so instead of do you like blank, ask what is your favorite blank or what do you like about blank? Mm-hmm. Form your question in a way that gets people to share more. And when they stop talking, ask a follow-up question to learn more about what they already said. A key here is listening to understand and to get to know them. Mm -hmm. Again, be genuinely curious and form that curiosity into words that you can speak in the form of an open-ended question. And third, have a few go-to questions stashed in your back pocket. This addresses the question or fear of what if the conversation leads to a dead end. This is actually quite common in conversations between people who are just getting to know each other. You're still figuring one another out, learning one another's communication style, even feeling out one another's senses of humor. Mm -hmm. So basically I want to one, affirm that it's normal to hit dead ends. And two, that these can be overcome by having some go-to questions to which you can resort when the former topic falls flat. So I suggest to think of some, quote, you know, normal questions that you can ask, such as what people do for work, where they're from, what their hobbies are, etc. But also stash away a few that are unique and interesting. You'll draw people in with better, um, you'll draw people in better with unique and interesting questions. So just one example of an interesting question might be, if you could trade places with someone for a day to live in their shoes, <laughs> whom would you pick? You know, who would you trade places with? Um, who would these, you pick, Jessica? That's a great question. Like, I don't even know if I answered my own question.
0: <laughs>
1: I guess it would I depend, like, about the it. real person or, like, in a novel.
0: That, that's Yeah, that that's opens the question up another too. can of worms.
1: So you can also ask questions back to people's questions. <laughs> that's another you,
0: you can answer a question Bonus. with a question, yes. <laughs> Um, so these sorts of questions catch people off guard in a
1: good way. It gets them thinking about deeper things, like what they value, whom they admire, and what they're curious about. So like, Keely, you asked me, who would I trade places with? I'm like, <laughs> off the bat, i like, gosh, I don't know. Like, a, a, a part of me is like, well, if it really happened, I would really want to think it through. Well, you know, at this, but know. at the same time, it's also <laughs> like, well, initially things come to mind, people that I... I admire. So maybe that's people that whose podcasts I listen to or, yeah. um, someone in a book that isn't real, but it would be cool to live in their
0: shoes. Like yeah. Elizabeth Bennett to be a mistress of Pemberley. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She immediately comes to mind.
1: <laughs> so easy answer there, but so much yeah. more to dig into. See, it's a, it's a, there's a deep well in those interesting yes. questions. So I realize that all three of these, um, these suggestions are, Totally interrelated, um, but they are a basis of fostering good conversation. Curiosity and good prepared question asking that both gets and keeps people engaged in sharing. So, Nola, while you may be shy, you are capable of conversation. Mm. Don't be afraid to start small and take intentional steps to practice. If you put in the work, like practicing scales on the piano, Eventually, your tongue will learn new rhythms of interaction and you'll grow in confidence in your ability to talk and get other people talking.
0: Amazing. I love, love, love your thoughts. I feel like a younger version of myself could have written this letter. Mm. I really identify with our writer's shyness and her um, difficulty with feeling like she knows how to hold a conversation, how to engage with someone in a way that they will like and respond to and how to know what to say next. Because as soon as we feel a conversation lull, we go into panic mode and you know, we take a sip of water just to fill the space or, you know, buy some time or just repeat what we said, you know, or pretend to be distracted by something happening outside the window. I have done all of these things before. Mm. I completely understand her desire to just let the other person talk. This is something I've been guilty of. So speaking as someone who shares this comfort zone with her, who would really just rather stay quiet and just listen Uh, Instead of get involved or, you know, think of something interesting to say, um, I want our writer to hear this. I know it's uncomfortable and it's not your natural gift, but you can learn how to hold better conversations. You can hold conversations that are life-giving and interesting and worth having. I know it's easier not to in the moment, but I think in the long run, she will be glad if she learns how to converse well. So I think first it's helpful for a writer just to begin thinking of herself as someone who has something interesting to say. This was always my issue. Mm -hmm. I did not see myself as someone that anyone wanted to listen or to know about, uh, to listen to or know about, I mean. So I would keep quiet. But once I started becoming more comfortable with myself and more willing to let myself be known through conversation, it became easier to hold conversations with people that I didn't know very well or even at all. And sometimes I've even found it helpful to almost play a character or a different version of myself. And I don't mean this to say don't be genuine. But what I mean is we each have different parts of ourselves and our personalities that we show at different times. And I'm willing to bet that our writer can be friendly with maybe her best friend or her sister or her mom. So I think our writer could benefit from seeing herself as friendly and almost pretending to be friendly or more confident. And from there, she could start feeling like it just comes more naturally to her to Mm -hmm. be those things with other people, with strangers. Um, Moving on towards the end of her letter, she poses a few different questions. So I, I want to try to answer each of them. So first she asked, how do I get people talking? I have said this before and I'll say it again. Mm -hmm. The easiest way to get someone to talk is to ask them about themselves. To show genuine interest in where they're from, what they do, what they did last weekend, what show they've been watching lately, or who they would be if they could switch yeah. lives for yeah. anybody for a day—better <laughs> alive, fictional or non-fictional—pick. Heck, even
1: an animal. I don't know, like a talking. Yeah. You can you could switch places with Mister Tumnus in Chronicles of Narnia. Great
0: choice. That's a great choice. People love to talk about themselves. <laughs> And even more than that, they love for someone else to find them interesting, for someone to see them as worth knowing and investigating. So ask them questions and listen to the answer. It sounds like you're already good at listening. And maybe throw in a comment about their answer, and that can lead on to another topic or question. The second question she asks is, what if I offend them? I found this to be a very interesting question. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't know Nola, but I doubt that she is someone who often says offensive things. (laughs) I don't think she's constantly voicing unpopular opinions or bringing up divisive Mm. topics. So I don't think worrying that she'll say something offensive is actually what's at play here. Instead, I think she might worry perhaps too much about what other people think about her. Mm. So I think this leads her to maybe hold back in conversations and to take the safe route of not saying much as a self-protective measure. But I want to encourage her to instead, and I say this knowing how difficult it is, how much work it takes, to try to care less about what other people think. So she doesn't feel like she has to be walking on eggshells throughout a conversation because I don't think caring less about what other people think is going to lead her to offend someone i actually think it would lead her to have better more free and authentic conversations
1: i think too, this relates to your first point about believing that you have something worthy of mm-hmm. be, of, of of listening to that like you are wor- you are worthy of being heard i think yeah. that's such a beautiful truth for us all to take in because even those of us that are more talkative we might still You know, I think sometimes we talk more because we were wondering, uh, Am I worthy of listening to? Are you going to validate what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Versus like the people who we just have different ways of expressing that insecurity. That's really true. So I think that's a great point that, um, I think, yeah, she has less to be afraid of and, yeah, just to believe that she's worthy of being heard and that her thoughts are valuable and, um, not to be too concerned about what people might think.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I think there's a certain freedom in going, oh, did they think that about what I said? Okay. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Um, All right. So as for her next question, um, what if the conversation leads to a dead end? I totally understand this worry. This is something that I have often dreaded, something I took on as a personal failure, a failure that only I was responsible for. But here's what I will say to her. What if it does? A lull in a conversation is okay. It's happened to every person alive. And even more importantly, it's not her fault alone. There's another person in this conversation. They're letting the lull happen too. It's perfectly normal for a conversation to hit a dead end. And if it does, I want to encourage our writer to allow some silence sometimes, even if it feels uncomfortable to begin with let there be Mm -hmm. silence sometimes, and use that time to think about something else that you were curious about, something else they mentioned that you meant to ask them about or somewhere else that you can try to direct the conversation or maybe the other person in the conversation will come up with a way that they can steer the conversation somewhere else. Either way, I just want to offer her some freedom here. It's not the end of the world if a conversation lulls just a little bit. Lastly, She asks, how do I get myself talking? The good news is this is completely within her power. Find points of commonality with the person that you're talking to. Say they're from Italy. Well, you can say, Oh, what part, you know, I visited that area a few years ago and I absolutely loved it. Then ask a few questions about their hometown. Keep on coming up with points of commonality. And if someone asks you a question about yourself, Give them a real answer, one that you'd want them to give you if you had been the one to ask the question. Allow someone to be interested in knowing about you. See yourself as someone worth knowing about. Be willing to share about yourself rather than giving vague answers. Don't think to yourself, oh, it's just, it's not that important that they know this or, you know, they probably don't care about this. Let them listen to you speak. They asked you a question So overall, I just want to encourage our writer to approach these situations where she's having a conversation with someone that she doesn't know well with a more carefree attitude. Mm -hmm. Don't let it matter that much to you, meaning don't allow how this conversation goes to inform you of your ability to hold conversations in the future. I promise you, as soon as you let go of some of this anxiety and allow yourself to care just a little bit less you'll find that you actually start having better conversations. I hope that we were able to offer our writer today some helpful words and I wish her the best of luck in her future conversations with strangers. All right, so it's time for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating or wearing this week that just made us really happy to be alive. Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So Jessica, what is your suggestion this week?
1: I would like to recommend my favorite lipstick, 100% Pures fruit pigmented cocoa butter matte lipstick, which Hmm. comes in a variety of beautiful shades. Um, If you are used to purchasing an expensive Beauty products you may be a bit surprised at the price tag on this but let me assure you that you're paying for quality and as the name suggests purity. <laughs> <laughs> so purity of like ingredients, meaning. So yes. these lipsticks are so nice and it feels great to know that you're wearing something that's good for your body, especially when it's right there on your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one thing that I love about this website is that you can see the various shades worn on real women's lips, like on the pictures, so that you can mm. actually see what the shade looks like when it's put on. I just feel like it with anything like lipstick, it can be so... tricky to try to pick the right shade when you're not able to like put it on your own skin. And um, yeah, I just, I find that really helpful. So lovely lipstick.
0: Wonderful. I don't think you can have too many lipsticks ever, ever, ever. I think it's always (laughs) worth getting a new lipstick. (laughs) Um, This week I am suggesting these little dried seaweed snacks that I find at Trader Joe's. So I'm sure that you can find them elsewhere, but I just normally get them at Trader Joe's. But they are these little packs of dried salted seaweed sheets that really Um, satisfy me when I just get a little bit munchy. But I've already had something to eat, and I don't want to pull out a bag of chips because I never stop once I do. um, They're pretty... (laughs) They're pretty cheap and they come in small packs and they're worth it if you're a snacker or a board eater. So go ahead and try out some seaweed sheets. I think they also come in different flavors. Like I'm pretty sure they have a wasabi flavor for Mm. people who like that. So go ahead and check those out. All right. To wrap up this episode, Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you?
1: Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com, and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. Also check out my new venture, Eden and Me, plant-based eating made simple at edenandme.com.
0: And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every single week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to Dear Wallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.